0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Capiche Filmcast. Stephen Barry here for not quite a thrilling and tantalising episode of the Bond Daft Project, more a reflective uh, tribute episode for the late and great Sir Sean Connery, who sadly passed away last weekend on Saturday, Halloween, 31st of October, Uh, And it's just been revealed as well from his widow that he was uh, suffering in later years from dementia. So it actually caught us off guard. We were uh, currently in the middle of recording our uh, Bond ranking episodes and it was announced during that. So we decided to wait a week, collect ourselves and come back and do this episode to discuss uh, Sir Sean's legacy. Joined, of course, remotely with my Bond aficionados, Francis Murphy. Yo, yo, yo. Steve McCall.
1: Good afternoon to you all.
0: And Gordon Webster.
2: Good afternoon, Mr. Barry. Good afternoon to
0: you all. Uh, it's a sort of bittersweet type thing, this. Um, it's great to be able to celebrate someone's legacy. Um, and re- reading into the guy, it's an incredible <laughs> legacy. Lots of great videos. I've been watching um, you know, interviews with him a lot of humor um but obviously sad um you know his later years it sounds like he he obviously wasn't in his great health it was you you didn't hear him much about about him and so you kind of assumed he was okay he'd be around us forever but of course that's not the case um before we go into just talking this episode we're going to be, be talking about obviously I will focus on his bond films this the, well yeah the 7eon produced the 6eon produced films and uh, we can me- briefly mentioned the other, Never Say Never Again, um, but also his other films that we we enjoy um, performances over the years. He he became bigger than Bond. He was his own star. He became a big star. He was probably up there with Arnie and the type of screen legends. And um, yeah, probably one of the biggest stars, if not the biggest star out of Scotland, which I think we can all um, you know, appreciate that as, as Scotsmen ourselves. Obviously, we won't go into it too much, but he does have, you know, there was controversial comments in the past, things like that. I uh, completely, completely appreciate anyone who feels that take issue with that. Uh, that's that's fair. This maybe not the episode for you, but you know, we don't condone things he has said in the past regarding domestic violence type things. We won't be going into it in too much detail because this is a film podcast. We are going to be looking at the man as the artist and the the actor he was, um, but it it shouldn't be completely ignored because we, we we don't they were abhorrent comments in the past. But yeah, guys, I was thinking we can start with uh, with Mister Sean Connery's career, but I was thinking what was our first experience with him? What was your first film? Do you remember? that you... Was, was it Bond? Gordon, we'll start with you. I'm guessing it was Bond for you, certainly.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think it was either Goldfinger or Thunderball. I've got a feeling I saw a bit of Thunderball really young, but I certainly saw Goldfinger maybe when I was, I don't know, about five or six, and just watched it over and over again. He was always... It was always between him and Roger Moore, really, because I think I said before that the, the three films are really... Started with were Goldfinger, Spy Who Loved Me, and Living Light Die, but to me, I think I I grown to appreciate every actor as as Bond. Yeah, as soon as you watch them, you just think that that's him. But in the early days, I felt like it took mm-hmm. me a while to appreciate the other actors other than Connery. It was always as though Connery was Bond, and the others were were competing to be in his league. I feel with Connery, he just he just always ticked the boxes in all departments and yeah my earliest memory yeah for some reason i, I seem to remember that the fight scene the pre-titles of thunderball and I, it was just how cool he was in the action scenes and then with goldfinger maybe the, the the most obvious memory there was the pre-titles to that as well because he just it's just for me like his coolest possible moment is just when he he's obviously laid the c4 explosive and that that Complex at the start of Goldfinger, and he just jumps down the bank. He takes off the dry suit. He's got a f- full white dinner jacket on, perfectly pressed. It just that's just one of Bond's coolest moments, and just probably one of the coolest moments in in cinema history. I think I keep using the word cool because it's 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 just that that's what I think of him. I don't I even mean, just say he's a he's a he's a he was a magnificently talented actor, but he. It just seemed all, it, it was in a way like, it sort of him and Harrison Ford. People used to say like Steve McQueen was the king of cool. To me, it was always Sean Connery, especially when you saw him taking on people in in fights. He always, you know, had that sort of calming, you know, he always, you know, showed the humorous side and everything. It's hard to explain, but he's just mm-hmm. that, that having that early memory, um, like he was just an icon growing up for me, not just in terms of, Uh, An actor, but just you know, when you're a young man seeing seeing other men, the same as you might be an a footballer, might be an idol or something like that. Mm. It's like he was always a real acting idol for me. Yeah, Steve, what about yourself?
1: I'm trying to think back. The first film I definitely remember watching that starred Sean Connery. I've always been aware, obviously, of Sean Connery from an early age. I think it's just living in Scotland, people mention him. He's obviously known, um, socially as Bond. But I think the first film I saw him in was Entrapment. This was back in 1999. Uh, not particularly well known. One of his uh, later,
0: last films, wasn't it? That's
1: yeah. One of the is absolute later ones. Yeah, it's him and uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones. He, from what I remember, plays. Uh, I think he was a. I think he was the cop. That um, there was some something about an insurance scam and an art thief. Uh, the, the the plot kind of. Uh, escapes me but i remember vividly watching it because i was on a boat at the time it was one of these cross-channel ferries and you could watch a film to pass away the time and it happened to be on and i do just remember looking at this guy with a you know big gruff guy scottish accent. um not something you see maybe you see it more now but i suppose at the time particularly seeing a scottish accent on the screen and being that young and thinking oh he's got the same accent as i do Obviously not realizing how close to me he grew up, obviously all those years ago and whatnot, but the same city. But yeah, and just thinking this is this guy's cool, just sort of jumping about the screen. Um I mean it was it's either entrapment or obviously Indiana Jones. I've got very vivid memories of sitting watching him in, in that film. And he was quite funny. Obviously in Indiana Jones, there are moments where the humour comes across. Mm-hmm. And you don't honestly I I don't think you see a lot of humour from Sean Connery. On the screen, he tends to play more oh. serious, more sort of cold-hearted, more sort of maybe sort of vicious or old man-type roles, particularly towards the end of his career. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was always, he is, I think, I think cool is actually the word, as Gordon summed up. Just watching him on the screen, there's something, there's something magnetic mm-hmm. about him. Yep. yep. Uh, there was very little that he did that was... That was too bad.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, part of the thing I loved about the Last Crusade, Steve, was because, like I said to me, like there's a few people up there that have got the sort of charisma and the ma- magneticism of of Apart, Harrison Ford was quite close. Cool. Just seeing the two of them on screen together was just that's that's just such a great thing when you see two of your favorite actors together that you might not have predicted to be together.
1: Harrison Ford paid a brilliant tribute to him this week. Actually, there was he was recalling stories. I think of he took. Sean Connery, I can't remember what, it might have actually been the last crusade they were filming, but he took Sean Connery on a, a motorbike ride with him on the bike and Sean Connery in the sidecar around these really windy mountains at like 100 miles an hour, absolutely scaring the crap out of him and watching him squirm. And how much sort of fun they had doing that. And it, it sounds like the two of them had a right laugh together. But yeah. reading Harrison's tributes to him this week was fantastic.
0: There's been a lot of celebrity tributes. Uh, and Nicolas Cage had, had a lot of great things to say about him. Even, um, obviously, Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson also put out some great comments, obviously. I mean, he... We'll go into that in more detail, I think. We can talk about it a bit. Um, Obviously, the, the sort of falling out in the late Bond years, I don't know you only have twice with... Cubby broccoli and the sort of not they weren't talking for years, but they patched things up right before Cubby died in the mid '90s, which was which was quite nice to hear. Fran, what was your first first kind of film memory of Sean Connery?
3: Uh, God, it's hard to it's hard to recall really. I think I must have been quite young, and it would be I think it would have been one of the Bond movies had to have been. I mean, I don't really remember. Um, I think my first sort of awareness of Sean Connery as a as a sort of a human being, as a, like, you know, uh, do you know, rather than just James Bond, uh, as a young child thinks of James Bond, you think they're a real person almost, don't you, when you're watching a movie? But I remember in Primary 7, it must have been about 1997, that sort of time, when uh, there was the, well, Scotland was getting its own parliament, mm-hmm. it was the de- devolution thing going on, and I remember... maybe oh, been 99 lot, then, wasn't it? Oh, sorry, ne- yeah, aye. But I remember being in primary seven though, because it was being talked about. I suppose they were probably campaigning and things like that for it. Well, that that was one of the reasons that because Tony Blair, I think, was saying that if he got elected, they would look at that, and and that was kind of the the start of that. Yeah, the 97, 98, 90, 90, when it actually took place. But I remember becoming aware of Sean Connery and quite liking him because of what he was saying, because he was always really quite passionate about, yeah, you know, yeah. his heritage and you know, very a very Scottish guy, do you know what I mean? Like his his uh, ways. Um, uh, very often see him in a kilt. Yeah, you know if he was pictured with his wife. Loves golf an event or something. Loves like golf. That.
0: Loves football.
3: Yeah, yeah. huh, you'd see him at matches and things like that, wouldn't you? And, um, but I, I, after he died, I was kind of looking at his life, and I was thinking a bit about you know there was a whole long period of life that he had before he was an actor. Yeah, you know where. You know, he
0: grew up a total kind of he grew not, up in a rough area. I, I mean, I don't know Edinburgh, Edinburgh very yeah. well, but um, he's kind of known as kind of a rough area. Um, yeah, Steve, obviously, you must have been quite close, or do you know that area you grew up in?
1: I know, I know Fountainbridge quite well. It's a nice area. It's, it's now very studenty, and it's known because it's got a big cinema complex there. Right. But it was known as one of the kind of rougher areas and he was apparently known as the hard man yeah that he, he had a reputation for i don't think he was kind of causing fights and stuff it was kind of he was one of the bigger guys he was i mean he was a bodybuilder he went for i don't know if he went as far as mr universe but i know he was he was obviously a yeah, he bodybuilding was he mr U- or not he wasn't obviously mr universe but i know he kind of he was in that kind of uh arena he entered those kind of bodybuilding contests
0: yeah yeah, I didn't
1: know that about
0: him. It's quite incredible when you look at a brief list of the things he was doing on the side. I think he was trying to get into acting and theatre work, taking small bit part roles, but... You know, during before, sort of before it as well, he was doing. He was a milkman, I think. He was a milk boy from like 14 years old or something, or maybe it was even younger, maybe 10 or something.
1: If you speak to anyone in Edinburgh who's over the age of 60, guaranteed they will try and tell you that Sean Connery used to deliver the milk. It's a big thing here. (laughs) He probably didn't, but everyone will try to. Oh, I used to deliver my granny's milk. Yeah. Um, He was also. He almost ended up playing for Man United. He was offered 25 quid a week by Matt Busby. That's incredible.
0: Because that, Which... I, I knew he was a keen footballer and I read, he was, yeah, I didn't know it was Manu. I thought it was, I uh, that, that, that's amazing. Um, yeah, that, has, I think I read somewhere that he was also, uh, he worked as a lifeguard and things like that.
3: You know, how did he, how did yeah. he have the time to do all this stuff before he, this amazing well, film career? I, th- I think it was more of a, um, you know, I can kind of identify with that. I mean, I was never like a, a model or a, a coach, like a, a you know, a guard, a guard, like save people's lives in the water or whatever. But this idea of going around and just getting what you can get and doing what you, you can do for a long time. Yeah, like, true. that's what I used to do.
2: Yeah. yeah. It was very much a working class upbringing. I think that that helped him achieve what he achieved in those first couple of Bond films. Because you got to remember, see, if, if he hadn't really hit the ground run the way he did, we we wouldn't be sitting here doing this podcast today. There would, I don't think there really would, uh, well, I don't know if there's many actors that could have just succeeded so quickly and developed into this franchise. It could have ended after one film if Dr. Nohan hadn't been a success, but I think just the charisma he brought to the screen, the the way he moved, having that kind of harder-edge, working-class background somehow, I think, helped.
0: Yeah, and obviously he was in the Navy as well, which was incredible. Um, uh, I think he was discharged on, I think it was a medical grounds. He had some sort of ulcer, so these kind of things led him onto the path back to acting um, and obviously I've not seen his early stuff but he obviously just kind of reading about it it sounds like he impressed everyone that met him uh, you know and they all kind of describe him as this really charming tall kind of char- charismatic character and that's obviously what led him as you said to to eventually being looked at for Dana Broccoli had mentioned to Cubby when they were casting. Obviously, he wasn't convinced. I don't think. I think they were looking for someone to what Ian Fleming had wanted, mm-hmm. the sort of David Niven type, very proper English, Eton educated, and it was not the shot. That was not the kind of style of Sean Connery. He was very <laughs> rough, very rough tall and what was it, she described him like a jungle cat, the way he moved and Aye. things like that. I thought, yeah. Hmm. But she was she found him very sexy, them. I think. She she said that he was really attractive in the film, I can't remember what film it was. Um, So she was like, no, you really, really should, should look at him again. So yeah, um, fantastic. Ian
1: Fleming's quote at the time apparently was I'm looking for Commander Bond and not an overgrown stuntman. Yeah. So he obviously wasn't impressed, but apparently Sean Connery is actually the reason that Ian Fleming wrote a half-Scottish history mm-hmm. into the later yeah. Bond's books, because he was he became that impressed with yeah. Sean Connery, which yeah. I yeah, didn't realise I... that he was kind of the reason for, mm-hmm. for that backstory. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah, I, I think because he wasn't impressed with him at all, at first, like you said, and the, the whole thing is, I mean, Connery has a very prominent Scotch accent, not just in the, the 007 movies, but so practically every film, it's just the Sean Connery voice, this is what you're gonna get, which... The, the, just that there's not really another voice like it in Hollywood, it's just that it doesn't matter what role he's doing uh, to me you don't even think about the fact he's sounding Scottish, and I think in Bond it kind of worked, because you've got, you've got the idea in your mind that he maybe was a, he actually is Scottish and they grew up in the Highlands when he was a kid and all that but to me, for all the years and years I've been watching these films, I've never really thought about him sounding Scottish it's just, that's just, you know because I think he also had a sort of he gave his his voice was found a sort of upper-class, almost snobbish edge at times. You know, it just, it really worked, I think. Just the, to to sum up it perfectly, it would be that, you know, the the line we all know, that the opening Bond, James Bond in the casino, is just, the way he says that, I don't think that's just Sean Connery talking as normal. He's, you know, to me, it, it just, it's the same as, like, to, to give Pierce Brosnan credit, I don't think he, I never thought about the fact he sounded a bit Irish. It's just like, that's how you would think a secret agent would sound. Do you know what I mean?
0: I think the, the they're similar in that way that they don't have a strong like. It's not Connery's accent. Obviously, is indistinguishable. Essentially, I I don't feel that anyone sounds like Sean Connery, but um, uh, he sounded different before Terence Young kind of took him on. I think he ac- or well, it was probably the accent started to change. I think before Terence Young, but Terence Young, the director for Doctor No, took him on and refined him completely in terms of dress sense walk style taste the kind of all of bond's character he then kind of kind of because terence young that was that was apparently what he was like and then sort of trained connery to become that and i think apparently, and that, that he... developed connery as well as a person like that he started to kind of embody that kind of posture and stature and things for the rest of his career. And I think before that, I can't remember who it was, um, right at the beginning he was told, I was w- watching a documentary, he was talking about um, who kind of gave him the idea to become an actor. He'd done a couple of, like, rigging up um, sort of theatre companies and travel the country and he loved it and someone said, why don't you, why don't you do acting? He says, oh, me? Like, nobody from Scotland can, nobody would get a chance in acting. He says, well, you're because he didn't go to school, he left school at 13 and he was illiterate and so they was like, well, if you want to learn acting, you're going to have to be able to read scripts and get into characters and things like that, so here's a list of stuff and research it and he spent a year just doing that, Shakespeare everything, to the point that he became a completely different person and became this refined you know, th- th- his accent changed as well from the sort of, he's spoken about what he used to sound like and it's more like how we would sound in the street, but yeah it's it's, it's incredible. But-
3: that's the thing, right? Like As an English teacher I'm supposed to say to kids it's really important that you learn to, you know, not only to read and write, which you should know already but to be able to, you know look at deeper into language and, and writing and ideas and all these kinds of things right? But Sean Connery wouldn't have done what he did if he didn't have to struggle like that and then learn later and he wouldn't have been who he was, do you know what I mean? Yep. Sean Connery could have done well at school and learned to read and write and then gone and been like a A bank clerk or something, you (laughs) know what I mean? Like, you know, and then and then he never would have had to go around, and never would have ended up in the situation where he would have ended up an actor. And sometimes I think of that when I'm saying to kids, you know, you need this, you need that, and I think I'm actually closing off a wild adventure for you by telling you to be sensible. You know?
0: Well, I suppose you're giving them the same like the actor, whoever it was, I can't remember when he was told you should really get into acting, but here's a list of. (laughs) educators, because he self-educated himself, that's what he was essentially being told. So, I mean, you're telling them the same thing, that that actor told Sean Connery. Uh, yeah, but at a
3: different stage, though. Yeah. So Sean Connery, like, and there's other people who are absolutely, like, there's a lot of very successful people out there who have had incredible lives, who had no academic success whatsoever. So I don't feel like, like I, that people like Sean Connery make me think of that. And I think to myself, actually, it really isn't the be-all and end-all it's not the big one end
0: all. It's just about he. He's a one off though. Like his, his um, not a one off, but there is.
2: He has. Well, he's a he, trailblazer, isn't yeah, he? Has yeah. He opened the doors for so many other Scottish actors.
0: Yeah, true. I mean, I was watching um, Begbie. What's his name?
2: I was gonna. I was gonna he's, mention him. Steve, like, is he Robert acknowledged Carlyle. Robert Carlyle.
3: Yeah. He said that who's he, who is obviously my uncle.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yep. with a spherical head. Yep. As Gordon will remind us, is, it, is this Robert? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Been so on our podcast, I
0: uh, it's like yeah. a lot of actors. I think can can sort of put Sean Connery as half the reason that they got any kind of opportunity. I think people didn't see Scottish actors as this as a leading man, certainly until Sean Connery paved the way. Uh, really, with Bond. I don't, um, but yeah, doctor- well, that, I mean,
3: Scottish Scottish um, characters were more jokey and daft, yeah. weren't they? Before yeah. that, it was like you know, oh, yeah. you know, the daft Scottish guy, you know, or you know, drunk, or we're you know, st- it's probably what, stereotypes. Yeah, oh yeah, but the thing is, I mean, that continues. I mean, what I find quite funny: have they banned groundskeeper Willie from the Simpsons yet?
0: No, or is he, is he okay. still is he no,
3: still, that's still okay. okay? Yeah, you know, but that's the thing. where, like, you know, Scottish culture is as ancient and as tragic in some ways as any other you know, but are we just better at taking a joke? Is that what it is? But like, you still see Scottish stereotype stereotyped in games and music and, and films in a way that other things aren't so much these days, so I think yeah. while you, I mean, in, in the 60s you had James Doan playing Scotty in Star Trek, he was a Canadian actor now he could do accents, I'm glad they picked him because he played the role well and, and became quite beloved you know, as 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 an actor among the fans, but is that kind of way where?
0: Is there an alternate reality where you're praising a Scottish actor that really did take that role and go with it? Do you think?
3: Yeah. Yeah, well, that's it. Uh huh. So that sort of. I mean, I, I remember even watching. What was it called again? There was one with um. What's the the guy in Grey's Anatomy called? Do you do you know that any of you know that the uh-huh. the guy that played them. the main doctor? And then he, there was this like rom rom com movie, romantic comedy, came out like maybe ten years ago. And it was an American woman marrying a Scottish guy. And it was just so... I remember my girlfriend at the time was an American and she showed it to me. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. I mean, like, if it was true, then every Scottish family would have their own castle and all that. And peasants all about around. And, you know, this was 10 years ago. So I think we need a few more Sean Connerys. We need a few yeah. more.
2: Yeah, and let's not forget, he did donate, was it his entire fee from Dimes of oh, yeah, to yeah. the Scottish Film yeah. Institute? Yeah, 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 which that must have opened a lot of doors. Definitely. Exactly. So and you know,
3: that, that's the thing, because people talk, oh, Sean Connery wanted extra money, blah blah blah, what did he do with it? He did something incredible with it. I know, I'm very
0: conflicted on that because you see some of the comments from him, he comes across so bitter in the late era of his career, well not the career, the, the Bond career, um, so he wanted obviously more money. He wasn't, I don't think his pay really increased over the films, obviously, and the producers got bigger payouts from the successes of the films by the time You Only Have Twice came out. He he wanted a co producing credit, they didn't give him it. And so then he'd be in a huff with Harry Saltzman and Cubby Broccoli. Oh,
3: um, I, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Do you know what? The more I've read about him recently, the more I realise that Sean Connery, and, and I'm glad that as a podcast we haven't glossed over the complexity of the man, right? Yeah, exactly. The thing with Sean Connery is that Sean Connery is a real human being or was a real human being, right? So he's someone who came from a poor background. He had good and bad points to his character. He had flaws like everybody else. Um, He had a working-class man's, and I say this again, working-class man because of the time he came from working-class man's view to money and being paid fair wages for what you do. He had um, the working-class man's attitude towards giving back, to the community yep. that he came from as well. That's very true. Proud of his heritage. And, and you know, um, when you look at a person, right, and I think this, at the time when they're alive, I think this a lot these days, and I think it's a shame that we don't consider that when they're alive, because you just slam people when they're alive, and then when they're dead, you go and look at it and move well, on. I thing mean, is, he's
0: been given plenty of credit over it. He well, was given little oh, credit
3: yeah. over his life. He was knighted sure. and all sorts. awards. Like, you know, this idea of, you know, you've got to look at it and you've got to think to yourself... Everything's on a scale, isn't it? The Egyptians used to talk about that when you go to hell or heaven or whatever it was. The Egyptians would have, and they'd measure your your good and bad points on a scale. And the reason that that, that happened was it because nobody's all good or all bad, you know? Yeah, no, um, nobody's sin. I don't know. You sound you know? like you're arguing
0: I, against a point that nobody's made. No,
3: I think it's more. It's. I'm just trying to make it very clear to anyone who does listen to this that that's the way I'm thinking. That um, you know, it's not that I like him despite what he's done. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that that everyone I've ever known has been like that. Everyone has. There's. A, I don't have a single person that I've ever met that I haven't like people I've admired that maybe I've thought, mm, you know. But I'm, I'm glad. I guess the point I'm making is I'm just glad that we've, you know, we're looking at we're looking at all the aspects of his character. I think that's quite important,
1: isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So.
2: On, yeah. On that note, gentlemen, uh, you mentioned Daniel. Uh, no, you didn't know, sir. You mentioned that obviously you thought Conray was maybe going to expect a co producing credit. I that's interesting. I, um I, I wasn't sure if that had definitely happened. I heard like sort of rumours about that. But Daniel Craig obviously. Um I think he eventually got some sort of co producing credit. But um on that note, gentlemen, um Daniel Craig's statement last week um about Sir Sean's passing, he says It is with such sadness that I hear of the passing of one of the true greats of cinema. So Sean Connery will be remembered as Bond and so much more. He defined an era and a style, and I'll fast forward a wee bit, he says he will continue to influence actors and filmmakers alike for years to come. My thoughts are with his family and loved ones. Wherever he is, I hope there's a golf course. That was a a nice statement, obviously, Mm. to to follow up.
1: Mm. A lot of people have be making that comment, and it's quite. I think Harrison Ford said the same thing yeah. actually. about golf courses, yeah, um,
2: yeah, which obviously yeah, shows
1: that's, that's kind of that's what everyone remembers about him. Clearly, he's the yeah. kind of guy who would come off a, a really sort of heavy, strict shooting. Go right, do you want to go and have a few rounds? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. All- I
3: want to. I want to kind of think about Sean's fate. Okay, so let's imagine that Connery has woken up, and he's just he's never able to get off his golf course. He's there all the time now, like, for eternity. Do you he would enjoy it all the time? Probably.
1: Yeah. It
0: sounds like it from the words that everyone have said about him. Yeah, obviously, it's as lit...
1: the sun shining.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he lived out his day, his final, um, like, day, like twenty years or so in, in Nassau. You know, and able to enjoy enjoy his golf every day. I think he had maybe his own private golf course or something. But which I mean, you know, he obviously worked so hard and he he achieved so much even away from Bond. Um, and then I mean, there's obviously, I think all of the the Bond actors. Um, have uh, paid tribute to him. Uh, I was yes. just going to say Pierce Brosnan's one, quite like as he he said a nice few words about, about Sean. He says um, so Sean Connery, you were my greatest James Bond as a boy and as a man who became James Bond himself he said um, you were mighty in every way as an actor and as a man and will remain so to the end of your time. You were loved by the world and will be missed. God bless. Rest now be at peace. Mm-hmm. So that's a mm-hmm. short version of Pierce's statement. Obviously uh, Dalton and Wiesenbe also said had some nice words to say, and aye, so many. I mean, he it was—he's just such a huge name in Hollywood. We talk about him more in a Bond context, obviously, but there's been, like you said, there's been absolutely huge amount of tributes just pouring in from all angles. Not even, obviously, from a political context, people in sport, just, just people in general. Well, that, that's He's, the thing, uh, Gordon. You're you're
3: kind of touching on something here. This idea that you know there are certain actors, actresses. In particular, who go beyond, they become, they become almost a foundational part of the culture that we live in. You know, like you're, like, do you know what I mean? Like he, he, he is the face of Bond, James James Bond in a lot of ways, but, but Sean Connery himself is a thing. Like, you know, do you know how often it happens in the school? That the kids will say something and put a wee sh or whatever, and accidentally. And the kids they are like, "Oh, it sounds like Sean Connery, doesn't it?" Or you know, pretty much but, the
0: what the second most imitated accent, alongside I don't know, maybe alongside Arnie. I think the two of them are like the most imitated accents you'll ever find. Yeah, he he
2: himself, Schwarzenegger had uh, had a nice thing to say about Connery last week too. I mean, there's so many. Obviously, I mean, after Bond, there, there's actors that could easily gradually just fade away, but he, especially when he was a much older man, he had some huge parts in some really successful films. There's even, I find he had such an endearing presence, Connery, that there's even quite a lot of his films that he did that didn't do well critically or maybe commercially, but he actually was great in them. I thought, like, Medicine Man was a great one. He was in, he was actually starring with Lorraine Bracco. I think that was in the 90s. And, uh, you know, that was like a typical film, like, just his, just the fact his presence was there was just kind of, right, put up a few notches for me. You know, he just is so... He just dominates the screen. Man. Know, I just every one of his films I've he, seen. He does. He does. Uh, you know, and see that film, The Rock? I love that. Because the thing oh, yeah. is, there's all the
3: theories online, the fan theories, that it was Connery's Bond who'd been kidnapped. like Not kidnapped, but like, caught by the Americans. Like, maybe, you know... The thing about yeah. the Cold War was that sometimes the the British and Americans could, could be at odds with each other. And the idea that this super legendary, like ultra lethal guy that Bond would be—the way they talk about him—it's almost like a meta description of what Bond is. Because there's a bit yeah. where he's getting interrogated, and they're like, "What you've taken his handcuffs off? This guy, you know?" And he's inside like a, a sealed container, and like,
1: yeah.
3: But he, he, but he does find his way out, like he that, get, yeah, like, whatever circumstances, and um there's clues, there's little clues that he's not quite t- telling the whole story of who he is in that film.
2: Yeah. I think Michael Bay was, I think he'd clearly seen Bond films and he was you know, you really got the impression of an older Bond in that, but his his chemistry with Nicolas Cage in that film's fantastic. I think maybe, maybe the standout bit I like, Connery could do emotional scenes at the end of that. There's a whole thing there's, you know, him and him and, uh, Goodspeed, the, the scientist that, that Cage plays uh, there's a constant rivalry with them. They really don't go on at first, but at the end, um, there's a really kind of sensitive scene where um, Goodspeed actually lies that uh, the Connery's character Mason has has been killed by the blast in Alcatraz. And spoiler alert, by the way, sorry I forgot about that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but we can do that later. But um, he helps to kind of hide Connery's disappearance at the end, and Connery leaves him a little. A little kind of gift, which there's some. It's a real kind of touching end scene that, and he kind of has. It's just like a final man, big manly handshake between the two of them. It's just that's maybe my favourite part of the film. But he, oh, he's so good in that film. Do you know what another one is, Gordon? That's really quite interesting. Is um, see the
3: the Rob. There's a Robin Hood movie where Connery comes in at the end, I think, as the king, and and like kind of restores order or something like that. And yeah. it's it's not like a super serious film, but the thing about it is right. For some reason, and I'm sure I've read about this, but I thought it as well. And you kind of understand why Connery's good at being cast as a kind of a hero or like a a, a figure that would make you feel safe. Because see, the minute that Connery appears on the screen in that film, you know that everything's all right. Yeah. And the thing yeah. is, as well, he looks so good. He, there's something He's older in this, right? But the, the, he looks so good as well. He he looks like a king. He looks like royalty. Like he looks like a better. Type of human than the other people around him. He's bigger, yeah. his fa- facial features, everything about him. He
0: uh, was great
2: in those kind of roles, yeah. yeah he but played
0: a uh, uh, king and uh, the man who would be king, or uh, someone who was I? kind of impersonating well, yeah. and being, it's almost like a god. Um, the great
2: thing about that, Steve, as well, is because him and Michael Caine were such good pals in real life, and just yeah. it was the spectacle of seeing the two of them on screen together. And all oh, this, I mean, I should also point out he was good friends with Roger Moore off screen. Obviously, they played. Bond in different eras, but I mean, there's countless photos of the two guys together and and obviously there's a whole thing, most Bond actors, there's a disconnect because they all did play the same character in different eras, so they, they never really acted together, but, and they, the two of them didn't, I don't think they acted together, but there's a real it kind of brings warmness to my soul just seeing, knowing the fact the two of them were pals, obviously they passed on, you know oh, and I can think, you know it's funny. That you hope the two of them will be together up there Gordon,
3: up. I had a question for you by the way, so have any of the Bond villain actors paid tribute to him? Because, like, that, there's something about that as well. Like, the idea that... It must even, have, I even, um, though, even though they were enemies. You
2: know. I know, just... I mean, God, obviously, Gertrude passed decades ago, and the the chemistry between, like, him and Connery and Goldfinger, you just... I mean, that's the sort of one, you know, if things were different. I mean, because they, they had a good laugh off-screen as well. Obviously, it was a language barrier with Gertrude, but, yeah, I mean, I'm not... I I didn't actually hear any or was looking out for any, but there must have been, you know, some of these Bond villains who are still around, the, the actors had said something. That, but yeah, the, the this is the thing. This is what's so sad to see the era we're doing this podcast. It's like this generation, Connery, obviously recently Margaret Nolan, who also was in Goldfinger with and passed it. And not long before that, Honor Blackman, that whole generation, it's sad that they're just, they're just gradually fading away. I mean, the, I mean, we can always, uh, you know, come back to some of these. Obviously, a big one recently was Michael Lonsdale playing Hugo Drax, who who passed several weeks ago. I, I guess when we get to our villains episode, we can uh, may, maybe pay a bit more of a tribute to him. Just a couple of days ago as well, Jeffrey Palmer obviously played yep. mm-hmm. Admiral Roebuck. Tomorrow Never Dies died at the age of 93. We had, uh, yeah, Margaret Nolan, who of course played Dink with Conan and Goldfinger and, you know, was started the title sequence as well, Painted Gold, such an iconic piece of cinema history, even just behind the scenes. But, you know, we got to remember, um, just like I was going to give a brief mention to Arthur Wooster, who was the yeah. second unit director for a lot of good, I don't know, a dozen, quite quite a lot of films, especially in the sort of Moore Dalton era. He he recently sadly passed away well into his 90s again, and, and Alan Tompkins, the art director, another one who worked in, in Empire Strikes Back, of course, yeah. But like we mentioned before, Diana Rigg on our blackness. It's, it's a sad time. Mm-hmm. Well,
3: that's the thing. I mean, it's almost like you know that kind of mythical way of looking at things, where it's there's nobody. You get to a point with with all parts of history that there's going to come a, a day when there's nobody alive who remembers. You know, back then, like living then, and all you have is the video, or which we're lucky because obviously in the past. Before media, before being able to record that things, you know, history yeah. would just be gone. You could never see it again. But um, yeah, it is. It's quite. It's getting to that stage with, this, you know, fifties, sixties. You know, people who were in their twenties, thirties, forties then. You
2: yeah, know. and of course Sir Roger Moore. Obviously, that I mean, that I mean, I think that was with with Roger. I think it was a huge shock to people because he, he seemed to be doing quite quite well and was out doing his book tours and everything. It was quite a sudden death, I suppose, with Connery. It, it was sadly something that we. Um, we, we expected soon enough with sort of the age he was getting to, and, and like you said earlier, Steve. Obviously, no, I don't think anyone really realised about the whole dementia thing, which is terrible. My my grandpa suffered terribly from that laterally yeah. And we we knew, I mean, he'd been out of the limelight for a files, for a while, so I had I had suspicions there was something like that going on, but but yeah, I mean, like, yeah, these guys are legacy. We'll just live on forever. I mean, I know I'm going to be watching the Bond movies till the day I die all of them, not, not just the Connery ones. Do you think know? that you would actually, you would die while one was on?
3: It's quite possible, I. I mean, I feel that way about Star Trek, do you know what I mean? Like, I'd, I could imagine that I'd be saying to folk, you know, but then again, in the future, Gordon, we'll be able to be inside, like,
2: a holodeck, like, recreation of whatever it is, so you, you'll you actually be in the Bond movie. I know. That's a, that's a, a good point. But yeah, I just, I just meaning like, what you're saying, obviously, about the, the legacy of these people, you know, it's, I mean... He's he's not he's certainly never going to get forgotten anyway, Big Sean. No. Well, I don't think so. I
3: I think yeah. I'm trying to get the best words to describe it. I feel like Sean Connery and people like that are at the early stages of of a mythical status, where as time goes on, they will be remembered in yeah. a, a almost mythological way. You know, like the fact that we were there when he was alive is is incredible, do you know what I mean, and you could say that for other actors and yeah. actresses and, and, and fi- figures from history or whatever, people that have been around, yeah. you know like for instance, like say Mother Teresa someone like that, like there's a lot of kid. you know, people might learn about that uh, a person from history or whatever we can remember seeing her talking and walking about, <laughs> you know what I mean at the time mm-hmm.
2: um, Yeah, and, and the fact he was Scottish as well, you know, for for us that's a, and you know, a, a sort of completely Scottish, 100% Scottish based Bond you, podcast, film podcast and... It's, uh, you know, it's amazing. What, yeah. Do you know what's amazing, right?
3: He actually influenced Fleming, I think, they didn't need To go back and, well, not go back, but I, when Fleming wrote later books, he actually added the backstory of him yeah, being Scottish because I, of Connery.
0: I think the fact that... What I love about Connery, at first I was like, why doesn't he change his accent? He's playing an Egyptian. But um, <laughs> you know, or or yeah, I felt though But he,
2: uh, he he of, he he's
0: yeah, he's. I was watching uh sort of videos about him this week, and he was like, in the end, it's all about the character, getting the essence of the character, and putting on an accent. He felt was distracting, unnecessary, didn't really need to be done. Um, if you've cast me, you've you're you're you're, you're getting me. And I'm getting into the character and and more about their psyche yeah. and things like that. So that was kind of his his philosophy about it. Um, so that is a bit bit more of an interesting kind of way of looking at it. Instead of just I just couldn't be arsed doing an accent, <laughs> which is oh, how either, it I mean, came across.
3: It's, it's of it. that, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, what I find quite funny about it is if you if you say you were to create a portmanteau of Egyptian and Scottish, you could say that he was Egyptish, couldn't you? I mean, it, it wasn't quite fully Egyptian, yeah. just a bit ish. So the fact that it's Scottish does help. It's funny though in Highlander
0: when you've got a French Canadian playing a Scotsman and a Scotsman playing was it a Spaniard? or something? I, I, I mean that I, was at some point yeah. the producers were like, "Hang on, should we maybe not flip these these roles?"
3: Well, that, that's the thing. Like that, that's where you know I, I hope cinema doesn't. I hope pe- people who aren't who they are can still be. You know can still play other people, because I think I I, I still quite like that idea, do you know what I mean? Like, I I like the the idea of an actor being chosen because of the intent, like Sean Connery's saying, like the idea of the intensity you can bring and what you can bring to the role as an actor or an actress, or actors, I suppose, would refer to everybody, but um, I don't think that you have to be... I mean, it would be like saying, we can't make any more World War 2 movies because there was nobody alive then they don't get it. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, the actor can't even know how it felt to be in in, in kirk, Do you know what I mean? Because he wasn't there. Like, it doesn't even matter. Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't have to be the thing to,
1: to play the thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's what history books are for. That's how I mean, you that, know these things.
3: You know, actually, what's interesting about that is, um, uh, well, there's been some quite funny stuff going on with Star Trek Discovery. I'll just mention it really, really briefly at the end of this to do with this whole kind of like people being cast as things. And um, Discovery has... Has cast, um, in fact, two quite interesting things, right? One of them has been quite good so far, but really kind of interesting, and the other one was, I think, incredibly unfortunate what happened, right? But the first one was they've cast the first kind of, I think it's the first in Star Trek kind of non binary actor, right? And she's coming in, not she, I'm calling her she because the character, right, is a she. That's the weird thing about it, right? So they have come in and are are playing Adi, a character called Adira, who's a woman, right? Now, I f- I find that kind of cool. So you've got a non-binary person who's been cast to play a woman, right? So I I, I think that's quite cool. You know that kind of idea of like you've got the, you you know so you've got a bit of uh you know you're getting it. Like I I I'm not really aware of any other non-binary a- a- actors. So it's kind of interesting to read about this person and you know. Look, you know, and all that kind of thing, so I quite like that it's also interesting that they've taken on, because the non-binary actor I suppose could have played a he as well you know, but in this case it's a woman that they're playing, and then the other one is uh, there's the first transgender person being um, cast, and I think that they also play a, yeah, it's a transgender character as well, right, but the, the character was instantly killed, right now, I just didn't think, I, I, I was not expecting that to take place, do you know what I mean? Um, and uh, I was just like, oh my, like, but then I think they're coming back as a ghost or some, some weird thing like that, but it still seemed a bit, a bit, like,
2: Star yeah,
3: but it just seemed a bit like, you know, let's bring the first transgender character, like, not I don't think it's the first transgender character in Star Trek, strictly speaking, but, you know, very kind of prominent or whatever, and then instantly they're they're removed from normal reality. Do you know
0: what I
3: mean? Mm. It just seems a, a bit odd. Yeah, But yeah, on that idea of like people being able to play different things, I like that. And I think it's particularly important for people who may be non-binary because there's going to be more male and female roles to play than there is non-binary people. Does that make sense? So if you could only ever play what you are, that would close the door to a lot of people, wouldn't it?
2: I think, though, as well, um, although, yeah, you get the Sean Connery voice in virtually all his films. He was versatile as an actor as well, because it's such a range because like you said, I think it was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, which I have not seen, but and then obviously played Ramirez, I think his name was, in Highlander. But then he played, he's played detectives in films like um, The Untouchables was good and then Rising Sun with Wesley Snipes is maybe quite an underrated one, which I really enjoy. That's actually one of my favourite Connery films, but and then I um, sort of SAS Man the Rock, but um and i think he's i think he's a doctor and medicine man of some sort you know i think he um he was good at playing these sort of mythical characters but then he could play a contemporary cop or you know so he maybe doesn't get the credit he deserves for being a versatile actor although i know a lot of these films like i said they weren't all huge successes but to me he just he just brought that sort of presence to all of them.
0: He always tended to normally play, I mean I certainly think he does have a wide range when you look at them all um, there's you know Russian naval commanders and all sorts of characters as well as Bond of course Um, but there's a sort of connecting essence that they usually are quite commanding they're quite macho confident self-assured characters I mean I can't think of any roles I've seen him where he plays a genuine dweeb type character, like a sort of yeah, yeah, right. Self, like really lacking confidence. Um I mean, his stature probably doesn't help that, but he still, some actors could still do that. Um, yeah. d- so he kind of, there's certainly he wasn't the full, the full thing, you know. But you, you know, he had a range, and that range was still quite wide spanning. But it would yeah, be interesting I, yeah. to see him try and do something like really. I mean, I, I'm not. I haven't seen all these films, so maybe I'm missing one. But
2: yeah. And the thing is, as well, he did comedy very well in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade because that that was the most comedic. Or well, I'm then thinking of certain scenes in the Temple of Doom. It's arguably the the most comedic out of the or the most sort of accessible out of the three indie films or four. God, I always say three. Uh, let's, I always forget about mm, Crystal Skull. it
0: does, yeah.
2: Yeah, but he did. I mean, he really. That was. There's bits in the Last Crusade that, I mean, you could say are on a similar level to it. see the more comedic bits that Moore did in the Bond franchise. Mm-hmm. The likes of uh, On the Beach, with, you know, scaring the seagulls with the umbrella, for example, and just some of the, the jokes about him and him and Indy's past, like when Indy was a kid. But you're right, Steve, like, he's, he always has a commanding sort of presence. Like, throughout Rising Sun, where he's a cop, he's just, like, ordering people about. And the crime scene is, he goes, he shows up at this golf club where, like, the head villain is and he's just He's just—he's not taking. There's all these gangsters threatening him, and he's just like "fuck off," you. Know? And then he goes in, in uh and just cause there's another great film. He stars with Lawrence Fishburne again as uh, some kind of detective, an experienced detective, and Ed Harris plays uh like a really scary just the most sort of psychotic serial killer, and Conway has to interrogate him, but he's not—he's not phased at all. The guy's like snarling at Connery and spitting at him, and he's just, he says something like, fuck off, you little shit, or something. And <laughs> well, the he thing just is, Sean Connery's not acting
3: there, Gordon. Because Sean Connery in Edinburgh, I think six guys tried to steal his coat, and Sean Connery battled him. Uh,
2: yeah, <laughs> I think yeah, I heard he took on some gangster in Edinburgh, some American gangster in a film set as well. I think maybe that's a bit of one... Hollywood mythology.
0: It was like one of his earlier films, he was, um, I think he might have, I don't know, went with. The, the guy's ex or girlfriend at the time and i he, think
1: he was the, connected. the boyfriend at the time yeah was a bit of a psycho he was acting i can't remember who he was acting with but the woman he was acting opposite her yeah. boyfriend thought that the two of them were romantically involved so he i think he took a gun on the set it was either <laughs> a gun or a knife but he pointed something at connery and connery disarmed him took him down and <laughs> just kicked the crap out of him <laughs> that- and held him down until sort of security came and kicked him off set well it time. does sound like he just it, it he didn't seem fit, he just kinda of went, Oh for God's sake, right, here we go. Take
2: the gun off, yeah, him, take him down. Before Bond as well, he was I think it was another time, another place with Lana Turner, I think it was. That so if, if up, that yeah. didn't that's like the whole thing with Lazenby, like because they liked what he did, knocking out a uh, or punt <laughs> hooking some stuntman or something. They're like, we're going with you. That was that's almost like you can imagine. They just heard about that, and thought, right? This this is the the guy we want to play. Hey, why, why, did Lisenby, why did Lazenby Why did batter a stuntman? No, he <laughs> didn't, uh, sorry, I didn't. Well, sorry, he didn't batter us. I think it was something like he hit a, a stuntman too hard and broke his nose or something like that. Uh, and apparent, apparently, Harry Saltzman or, or Cubby Broccoli said, right, we're going with you. They're like that was confirmation that he was the and it. I like Steve Barry you mentioned earlier on about just, like, the way he walked up. I think Harry Saltzman said that after they did a sort of interview with him or the first time they met him, like, Saltzman actually never really looked out the window to watch him crossing the street, and he said the whole thing about moving like a panther, moving like a jungle cat, you know? It's... (sighs) The other thing I was going to say, because any of you guys that have read the books, is just how... I said about how Connery kind of ticks every box. See... I think we all, when we all read novels, we all have own ideas in our head of I have a character would look. With me, you, you kind of picture them as as real life actors. And for me, see reading the Fleming books that I've read, reading Colonel Sun, which was also in the sixties, like just after Fleming. I mean, Connery was the guy I pictured. I didn't even need to think about it. The obviously it's a the books. There's not so much of the humour, and it's it's a a darker, more realistic spy world, if you like. But it was always it wasn't even a question, like, Connery was the guy that I pictured as Bond, like, see for you for example, Steve, like, you read, read Casino Royale, I mean, would you say, was it, did you picture Connery, did you picture maybe even Daniel Craig, or, or was it just a, ge- a general sort of, because I guess with some people reading novels, it would be like, they just get a picture, they pay attention to the detail in the novel, and they have a picture in their head of just a sort of random looking person, but to me it was just like, I you, don't know about you, Gordon, but I, I pick, I, I'm such a fantasist, That I picture myself. So, do most people do that? Maybe it's just me that actually pictures real life. I I, I get
3: what you mean. I I picture Connery. Uh, When I read Casino
0: Royale, uh, I envisioned actually kind of what Ian Fleming had first envisioned the character just because I was trying to kind of get into the mind frame of what Ian Fleming was trying to create. So it was kind of like the David Niven style and with the fairly thin mustache or whatever and the more upper class. But there was times where it would, my mind would kind of picture, you know, Craig because obviously it's the film, you know, that that became, um, but yeah, it's, it's 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 strange how everyone reads these things. That's what, the power of books, isn't it?
2: Yeah, but my well, last impression though, of him as Bond is just that the basically he just sort of nailed the older character from the books, and even you know, like you said, he actually added further sort of fuel for flaming in his last couple of books with the whole Scottish connection. Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: did um, Gordon? Do you know anybody who read the Bond books? I think I think you might because you're the big kind of Bond fan of the group, but do you know anybody who maybe read the Bond books before Bond movies came out? Because it would be interesting to ask them what they thought the character looked like in their mind.
2: Because no, they would have no that,
3: interference yeah. at all from any of it.
2: Because obviously there were very successful novels. So there was obviously, there was, you know, there were there were best, the first few novels were they were best selling books. I mean there was there was a big audience out there so then I've certainly not met anyone. I would say as well, I mentioned the, the later ones with John Gardner and then for example, I think just cause of the era with it in the eighties and the cause there was a bit of humor I kind of picture Brosnan but there's then you get to a certain line you think actually I can't really picture Brosnan saying that. It's a bit darker. But I feel with the Fleming novels yeah, to me like you can picture Connery in, in practically every scene. I think so as well, yeah. Yeah. We obviously should talk about his sex
0: appeal. He was voted, like, sexiest man of the century, which is quite a, an honour to bestow. Um, in the 80s, he was obviously sexiest man alive. And that's in the 1989 that was voted, so well
3: after the Bond
0: years. Um, well, the
3: thing is, he, he was in his prime for a long time, wasn't he? I think. He just basically kind of went a bit grey and had a beard, but, I mean, he was still the same guy. He looked good for his age, and although he actually he kind of
0: looked older than he was, It's still because he was so self assured and so confident that that itself probably was what the attraction
3: with it for a lot of people. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it was only really in the last 10 years that he really started to fail, like kind of you know, but like I mean, fail as in to weaken and go fail,
2: health failing,
3: yeah, or like he he was losing his like. I guess what I think of as the prime is when a man reaches his peak and he's physically fit and he looks good or whatever, but that can last for, I mean, decades, you know, depending on who you are. And I think for Sean Connery, it did
1: last decades. He's probably made the biggest impact on the impression of Scots abroad, mm-hmm. if that makes yeah. sense. The reason yeah. that so many people, I mean, if if we go anywhere around the world today and say we're from Scotland, you, the reception you get is incredible. And I think to an extent, Sean Connery is probably responsible for that because he was the, the Scottish figure, obviously, for decades and decades. And he's he's who people immediately think of. And his, you're right, that kind of um, sort of cocksure mm-hmm. attitudes, mm-hmm. his confidence, his um, sort of suaveness, mm-hmm. this sort of idea of him being the archetypal sexy um, male or whatever, I think has resonated and as a result, yeah. it's kind of him that we have to thank for us being so sort of renowned and trusted, I think, today. So yeah. that, him creating that perception, I think is something we probably have to thank him for.
3: Definitely. and I, I think it. I think there's a lot of women, like, I met a lot of women in my travels around the world who loved the Scottish accent. And I don't think they would have felt the same way about it if it wasn't for Connery and that perception of it being something that was... I mean, he has, know, was, his accent in particular
0: is... Pretty damn cool though he has like swabbed yeah. it up <laughs> like yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> but its that perception of it being something that's attractive I think has you know it certainly influenced that it certainly helped it for sure,
0: yep, yep, okay, we'll finish up then, um is there anything else you guys want to add before we uh finish finish on our tribute for Mr. Shark? Sir Sean Connery.
3: Mr. Shaw. Mm-hmm. Sean Connery. You actually started doing the.
0: It was an accidental. Connery voice. <laughs> I was well, finishing
1: on impressions. Yeah,
0: I, uh, I thought, well, maybe it's, uh, I don't know. But yeah, we've done it before anyway, I suppose. I could always just add in the, the, the impression. But if you want to add anything further, feel free.
3: Well, all I would like to say is that I've got—I've always had a fond place for Sean Connery, so much so that I mean, even when we were in school, Steve, like we we did that—we did sound files where Sean Connery would appear as a character. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, it's easiest to do the character you know,
3: voice, isn't it? You you memorably said, I think your line, like he was arguing with William Shatner, and Sean Connery's line to Shatner was. I'm still making good films, you know, or something like that. It yeah. <laughs> they, they, okay. they
0: started off like a two minute nice debate and then it erupted in the last 10 seconds, this screaming match
3: with me at the end saying, I'm still making good films, you know. <laughs> Which tickled me so much at the time, I found that I had to stay in character, laughing. You know? But yeah, I mean, it's somebody we have been aware of, I certainly know, I know that, that, you know, in school, you know, do you know what I mean? I just remember that. So, yeah, sad, sad days, basically.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, just, I wanted to just obviously finish and saying like, just, again, reiterating the Bond series could have, it could have not been a success at all and could have been a one-film wonder without Connery. And he just, like, like we've said, those first uh, five films just established this formula. That gave you know your Moors and Lazenby, Dalton etc. This um, you know pedestal to establish their own taking the character, but obviously the humour had already been been started un- under Connery. But yeah, I mean, I, devastated to lose him last week. Um, ki- kind of, um, although like I said, you sort of knew something could happen soon. Uh, but yeah, just as uh, Again, I just say he just he nailed almost every department for bond for me, and yeah, the thanks, thanks, Sean for all the memories
1: i agree with that. I think he's just got it i don't know he's just a, a legend there's not a lot goods that I can say about diamonds of forever as we've established throughout <laughs> this podcast, but seeing that clip of him all this week, we've been running up news reports about him. And the clip that keeps coming up is a kind of 10 second clip of them saying, I wasn't going to do Diamonds of Forever, but I said to them, I said to the producers, I'll do it as long as you give me a million dollars to set up this education trust back in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And they went, all right, pay the money directly into this trust. And I think that's, that's possibly, I would say, of any sort of film role, the best thing he's done. It's I love people that will do that, will put the money where the mouth is and go, right, I'm going to pay back to the community and pump all this money, huge amount of money and the amount of people that came up, their careers have been possible due to what he did. Effectively, he, he stepped back into a role he really wasn't comfortable doing, he really didn't want to do. He kind of just put himself through that to get money to set up this trust. I just, there's something about that I particularly admire and appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, he's, he has said some horrible things in his time, he really did, and that can't be overlooked. But when you balance it out with things like that, it, it, it acts as enough of a counterbalance that you can go you know what he had some good ideas he had some good ideas in him Um, and I think that has to in particular be paid tribute to so yeah definitely legends completely
0: Um, yeah as Fran pointed out he's a complex he was a complex person and like most people where his great things like you mentioned Steve the diamonds are for everything it's one of the fantastic elements of his character giving back to the community that he came from that she recognised once he came out of a rough area he didn't know it at the time he'd lived it and didn't think anything of it because he says everyone has nothing else to compare with he then sees what life is like elsewhere and realises now he wants to give back to what he came from Amazing. Uh but as part of being a complex character, there is things he has said and potentially done with um we won't go into it. But that is definitely not, you know, you can't let as you say overlook it. No. It's it's yeah, abhorrent and and things like that. We definitely don't condone that. But yeah, um from the element of the, the charity work, giving back and yeah his his kind of belief in bettering yourself Uh, he was that kind of character always wanting to, he loved going to a film set and being around like minded people and getting to know everyone and things like that and and, then getting to know everyone on the film set and things like that he sounds like he loved a good laugh and yeah, I I kind of I think he brought a lot to the films he was in, Uh, Diamonds Are Forever probably one of the, from a performance point the only one maybe you could say I think he looks like he is just doing it for the money but when you see where the money went to and it's like yeah I, I can enough. accept that yeah complex person but will be missed and yeah a screen icon that uh, we may never see the likes of again um, at least not for a while a uh, very unique character in film history that will do our roundup and tribute to Sir Sean Connery uh sadly missed and yeah, we'll still be talking about him uh going forward in the ranking episode, so this won't be the last time we will be speaking about him anyway. But uh for now, uh yeah, you'll be missed. Thank you, bye bye.